you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. The Around the NFL podcast is thankful for an excuse to get away from their families. <laughs> Happy post-Thanksgiving, everyone in America and across the world. Happy Friday. It's Around the NFL. We are scattered across the Southland and surrounding territories uh, the day after, the morning after Thanksgiving. Big day, big sports day. I've already said it, but in case you didn't hear, and it's going to even sting more after the fact, all these English listeners that are very confident about how the soccer match is going to go today, wow, a lot of disappointment. By the time you hear this, the disappointment will still be soaking in from a USA (laughs) upset for the ages. Um, so that's coming up later today. We got a full game. We have a full slate of Sunday games. But Mark, Greg, starting now, we're going to go through the three Thanksgiving contests. And it was some fun football. This is one of the best football days uh, of the year. We didn't have to do a show, which was nice. You could just watch the football. But I'd say we got one great game, one uh, at night, extremely entertaining game. I don't know if it was a great game, but it was fun. And then, you know, the middle game at least was interesting. We had to come back. You know, that was as good as it was going to get. Well, what a what a different Thanksgiving slate than the last um, 25 to 26 before it, because typically that early Lions game, you got the family starting to get together, random relatives, and it operates as a total energy suck inside your house. Um, (laughs) This was the complete opposite. And it was like sitting there in the earliest game of the day. And it is a fantastic matchup between the Bills. And like, I just wish it had ended differently. It kind of um, I know that you think that I'm not really like on the Lions team of ATL thing, but. I needed them to come to me, and I think yesterday they did, and I got pulled in emotionally, and now it like, of course, now that you get pulled in emotionally, they just cut your throat. So it's your fault, is that what you're saying? Well, I'm not, I'm just you saying. You needed I them to come to you, time. so they needed to win three straight and then have a lead over like a Super Bowl favorite, and then Mark yeah. was like, okay, I'll maybe be interested. Well, my bar is high. He's also a Titans fan now, so it, the bar is very high in terms of what you need to do to earn his loyalty. Uh, these days. Yeah, I think especially where we are on the West Coast, the first game kicks off at 930. Perfect. So you really uh, I was one of the people uh, that hosts Thanksgiving, my wife and I. So there's a lot of stuff to do. But the 930 kickoff, beautiful. You get you have stuff that you're doing, but you're watching the game, you know, pretty much unbothered. Then the middle game comes and things get a little messy time wise with people showing up, more things you have to do. So that was the one game where I wasn't as locked in. And that's fine because that was the least interesting game. Then the late game comes post dinner. You settle in, you enjoy the, you enjoy it all. So it was, it was great. It was American. It was John Madden. I really liked that the way that the NFL um, played up the Madden side of things because he really is Americana and, and, and he is football and he is Thanksgiving. So well, well done by the NFL. Shall we get into the games boys? Please. Sure. All right. Justin Graver, speaking of John Madden, before we get into Lions Bills, let's hear from the legend. And boom, there's no play 
place to go. Some people say that that stick. He says, boom, I, that's that's why I'm too good. Boom, you hit him. I mean, that's boom. Boom, 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 boom. He's right through there. That's the way football should be run. Second and goal from the five. Josh in shotgun. Two receivers right side, two to the left. The snap. Josh wants to throw. Fires left side. Caught. Touchdown. Stephon Diggs. Touchdown, Buffalo. They moved it all the way down the field, and the Bills regain the lead with two minutes, 40 seconds left. Yes, Josh Allen, Steph Diggs. You know, that was a big play in the game, obviously. Um, but the bigger play, the bigger Diggs-Allen connection for me, and in terms of what it meant in the game was after the Lions, uh, and we're going to get into it, how the Lions handled that final possession, settle for the long field goal, and then Josh Allen, and I know, and Romo was all over this, boys. He was saying that elbow is still a thing. There's certain throws that are going to ding him, and it's something he's struggling with. He put that thing on a line 45 yards down the field to Diggs to set up Tyler Bass's 45-yard field goal, two seconds to play. It was the difference in a Bills 28-25 win over the Lions on Thanksgiving from Ford Field. Uh, Greggy, let's start with the Bills side of it because, again, I think this is the this is the stuff of champions. This is a team that rolled through the league, hit a lot of turbulence, and now, even though it's not as easy as it was, you see that in them, that DNA of the great teams that rise up when necessary, and they did it again in this game. Yeah, the two drives back-to-back. Yes, it ended with the Dicks touchdown to take the lead with 240 to go, but I think of that drive as an example of how Allen's evolved. They were so patient on that drive. They gave, you know, the Lions were backing up. The Lions are not a great defense. They they forced three stops in a row, four really, because they had the interception to start the second half, and then three punts in a row. And then Allen finally gets patient again and moves the ball slowly down the field. It reminded me of week one against the Rams. We've seen this development from him. He ran when he needed to, and he ran more in the fourth quarter once again when it was winning time, but it was mostly six, seven yard passes going through his progression being patient got protected well and it ends with the the digs touchdown and then you get it back with 23 seconds left and we're so used to these teams setting up for field goals and 23 seconds left but it's like not normal and it takes something great like that digs throw that you mentioned so you get the patience you get the intelligence but you get the athleticism and then the ridiculous arm and on a day when the lions almost felt like the better team it's like the bills still had the best player and that that's josh allen yeah and i mean just you look at what the bills have been through over the last week and it was notable to me the look on Josh Allen's face afterwards when he was just embracing and hugging Diggs. Like, Diggs is the one they talked about on the sideline, kind of acting as, like, the spiritual center for that team, trying to lift them up because Tracy Wolfson said they were totally flat. That Lions team had really taken the energy out of them entirely from wire to wire until the end. And I know, I mean, Romo said it roughly 740 times about the elbow still bothering Josh Allen, but you could see it, I think, on a bunch of throws, but then you could still, it's kind of like, when these guys are down physically, like Allen still made those key throws when it mattered most. And we've gotten to the point with the Bills. I know they're a terrible red zone offense statistically, but when they had those 20 plus seconds left at the end, was anyone doubting that they were going to go down and kick the field goal? And it just happened automatically. I mean, we're used to it with him. And it should have never happened. It should have never happened. No. The, the Lions who really, you know, I do feel an attachment to this team um, that that really does go beyond any other team of ATN we've had. I think some of it does mm. go back to hard knocks and that Campbell is so likable. You know, there was a there was a out of halftime um, interview with Campbell. Uh, let's let's play that actually, Justin. Coach, 
you were efficient, you controlled the clock, you were aggressive. What more do you need to do to close this one out? Yeah, there's really there's a few things. Defense, we got to get off the field on third down at least a couple of times. We're fighting them pretty good right now, which is good. We got to do that. We got to get a takeaway on defense. Special teams, we're about to pop a return. We need one of those. We may have to steal a possession. The other thing is offense. Protect the football. Stay aggressive. I mean, that's that's why Dan Campbell is so great and so easy to root for. Every other coach, those sideline reporters get nothing, and he he gives it a lot of thought. He gives you actual information. Um, but with that said, the way it was handled down the stretch, that final drive, the, the clock manage that they have all their timeouts, and tick, 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 tick. They end up putting themselves in a position where they could have won the game, and I know Jared Goff misses a pass there, um, and maybe we're not even talking about this. They could have won the game with a touchdown. They could have tied the game with a field goal and left no time on the clock, but they ended up in a situation where they set up for a long field goal, and they had no business uh, even to me at that point. I was like, they don't really deserve to win anymore the way that played out. They got away with it, and uh, they lived for a few more minutes. Uh, but I was really disappointed with how the offense handled that final drive. And Lions fans obviously know what I'm talking about. I I, I don't hate that they were trying to take the time off because they were trying to make sure that the Bills didn't win the game and they were trying to score a touchdown there if they could, but they would have settled for overtime. The problem is the execution, the combination of the play call and then Jared Goff's ex- execution on third and one with... I think it was 31 seconds left to not run the ball there and just get the first down when you have three timeouts. You guarantee at that point that there's no overtime. Before so I hear the you incomplete there. deep throw. Before but, the incomplete. But also, Greg, before that, they literally just punted 10 seconds off the clock before burning a timeout. I thought they right. were in legitimate position. They got those position. 10 seconds back ultimately. That was a roller coaster because of, uh, but but yeah, because, but like because they it, had the, the I think if they play stuff. that aggressive and just go for it and are a little smarter, I think they could have stolen that game I, and we'll never know. But I think they got put into a little position where they played it a little too cute near midfield. And then, like you're saying, got maybe a little too aggressive on that third and one. And then did I think, Mark, how about we go for it on fourth and one? But you really couldn't because you didn't leave enough time at that point uh, to really uh, have a efficient chance analytically to get down to the end zone. I think it's another look at a team that's they're almost there. You can feel it. And this situational situation, they completely, if he makes the throw to Chark, like you said, we don't care because it, it kind of took away um, from a really good day from Jared Goff in general, but a couple plays before that too, Goff had a bad throw to a wide open Deandre Swift on first mm-hmm. and 10. That would have been a big gain. It just like it, it, to, it, he was really what he I thought it was his best game of the season up until that final series where it was a team meltdown situationally. And, you know, Dan Campbell, after tried to explain what was going through his head and in the ultimately, if you're if yes, they got at it with the time getting come put back on the clock. There was no 10 second runoff with the false start. But that said, like you cannot leave the bills that room to operate. And it's just it's just that's the difference here. But that's that's like. It's more on Goff than anything because ultimately, yeah, they, you call the pass play there. And ultimately, he's the one that decided to go deep. He has him wide open. He, they talked about it after the game. They all said, like, we don't regret it because we had a guy more or less wide open to win the game. And I saw on Twitter, Ryan Clark, a former player now, now with ESPN, was kind of just like, if Goff decides that's the throw he's going to make on that play, if you're going to you're gonna let it all hang out, you're going to be like, I'm – 
I'm going for it. You got to hit it. Like, you can't miss it by a ton. And Goff said after the game, just like, I wish I had that throwback. I mean, he yeah. had a more or less a wide open guy to win the game, and he just missed the throw. So it, it, when you compare that to Josh Allen, like, it's just these small things. You're absolutely right, uh, Mark. He played a really good game overall. Uh, until that closing sequence. But it's like, you also just got to have your players hit the shot. Hit the shot, Jared. Yeah, and I think with Goff, when you look at kind of big picture for Goff, um, I feel like he's played his role very admirably in Detroit, which is he is very much a bridge guy in, in the last couple of years where they didn't have maybe the quarterback that they wanted in the draft, a guy that could hold the fort while you get better around him and maybe you go back and go find a quarterback that you could really get behind next year. I think he's done overall well for them. But yeah, that's like that's an example of the limitations of Goff. He's just not a special player. Um, and sometimes he because he did play very well, but he also threw that like hideous, like falling down, falling away. Should have been an interception yeah. <laughs> uh, throw. You're always going to get that with him. Um, but they did. You're right, uh, Greg. I thought that for so much of this game, you would never be able to tell that it was the Bills that were eight and three and the Lions that were four and six. And that, again, speaks to the progress of Detroit. Uh, so uh, he said it after the game, Campbell, that, that this game, this hurts, but we don't feel, you know, we don't feel like we are in a bad place now because of this game. And I, I get that the confidence should still be high for them. I, I think so, too, because it's like, look, are they a playoff team this year? That that would have changed things had they won that game in a weird NFC. But that said, it's just little things, and it's not just that golf throw. Like, the safety was a bit of a mess. The Jamal, Jamal Williams has his second fumble of his career. That roughing the passer call by Austin Bryant, I thought, was a, Terrible. a totally unnecessary game-changing scenario that helped the, right the Bills entirely. It, yeah, it was, but it was just like he didn't need to do that to Josh Allen. So it's like a Lions team that is going to not make those mistakes when they get to that next level. And it's just like, I thought, if anything, though, that they said that was the biggest, second biggest crowd ever in that stadium. It was loud. It was on total tilt. Yeah. Um, the halftime show was amazing. Yeah, Mark. What? Let's talk about that halftime show. What was going on with that? What? Do you have anything to say about BB Rexa? Anything I just thought specific? it was an intriguing thing to be airing in our house at like, you know, 1128 a.m. I thought it's an intriguing uh, choice by the NFL. It wasn't quite as wholesome as uh, Creed 2003 no. at uh, Texas Or the Stadium. Jonas Brothers uh, later, later <laughs> right. in the day. Yeah, the, you're right. The crowd loves this team. It it was a it was a missed opportunity. Like Jamal Williams, to me, is the heart and soul of that team. They need a pass rush. Aiden Hutchinson. I was like, did he play in that game? I, he was literally oh. not in the box score. He, he was not in the box score. Uh, they had a guy who played on Deion Sanders' <clears throat> team last year who had his first ever game. He's, I think, one of the first players in NFL history to have two sacks in his first game. That was James Houston, who stepped up um, as a pass rusher. But they just have no pass rush. The Bills are also sweating this game because they lost Von Miller. To yeah, that didn't look good. What yeah, looks killer. like um, a significant knee injury. The reports out as we're taping this are that it's going to be multiple weeks at the least, and it could be as bad as season ending, but they need more tests, and it's uncertain. Can Deion I help Dawkins, you with this? Can I yeah. help you with this, Greg? Please. Because um, ESPN's Adam Schefter reported he did not tear his ACL, but he's out indefinitely. What this is is a sprain of the knee, which is also some moderate – uh, tearing to a ligament, maybe the MCL. So I see this as a four to six week injury. Can we I mean, add Dr. Dan to your um, list of nicknames? You would think that, that, that if, you know, Schefter has, you know, whatever the team has at this point, if they're not right. willing to get a little more specific. Well, that's why I'm here. 
Okay. Well, I, know so, you, I think Bill's there. No, he'll be back, but it's, yeah, hold tight. How is Deion Dawkins looking, the uh, left tackle who Incredible. suffered an ankle injury? Incredible. No, I, I, I haven't been tra- tracking Deion as much. <laughs> anyway. They're, they're, they're getting short suddenly. Russo has been hurt. Epinesa's out. They, they were very good pressuring the interior with, with Ed Oliver and, and their defensive tackles. But if they don't have Von Miller the rest of the season or most of the rest of the regular season, they're not the same. They're not quite the same He's Bills the team. Now, they've lost Micah Hyde. They've lost Miller. It's just getting to be like they're not them not being the same team. Doesn't mean they don't have a chance, but they've come back to the... I think it's easy to say they've come back to the pack in the AFC. And let me just be clear. Because I don't think this would happen, but I don't want to be the subject of a, a critical Mike Florio post. That was just me f***ing around. I know nothing about Von Miller's injury situation. I got it. I got okay. It. Well, I know you guys did, but if anyone's listening, I was like writing a Roto World blurb or <laughs> I don't need that floating out there on Twitter that NFL Network's Dan Hansis reports that Von Miller has a sprained MCL and is out four to six weeks. That would be an incredible event on the day after Thanksgiving for you to be dealing with that all the weekend <laughs> Maybe long. worth it um, for <laughs> entertainment value. All right, let's move on to uh, the, well, let's see, what would be, well, my favorite Thanksgiving uh, meal, ironically, is after Thanksgiving. When you make the sandwich and you have the bread and you can put the turkey, some stuffing, a little cranberry, um, salt and pepper, um, a little gravy maybe, and you get the sandwich. So the sandwich, the middle of this Thanksgiving group of games was Dallas, New York from Arlington. Let's check it out. But first, let's hear again from the legend, John Madden. You know, Thanksgiving is a traditional day, and, and our tradition is being at a football game and turkey and turkey legs and turduckins and, you know, great football players, and there's no place that I would rather be than right here with you at this time, and it doesn't get any better than this. This is our family. Third and goal from the two, handoff coming to the left side, Hender shot on a handoff to the tight end, and all the tight ends are going to jump into the Salvation Army kettle. <laughs> like half my uncles on the Finnegan side looked like Pat Summerall. So I'm not completely <laughs> certain that it in like 1991 at Whaley Lake in upstate New York at the family reunion that Summerall wasn't there on the uh, party boat. What happens on the party boat on Whaley Lake stays on the pontoon. Just ask the Vikings about that. (laughs) I wouldn't say it went that far. All right. Yes. The middle game was the New York Giants and Dallas Cowboys. And it was a game that the New York Giants started out strong. It looked like it was going to be a game that went down to the wire. But it didn't turn out that way because uh, Dallas took control in the second half. Dak Prescott threw two scoring passes to Dalton Schultz. Zeke ran one in. The Giants get a score late. A little lipstick on the pig. 28 to 20, the victory uh, for the Cowboys, who moved to 8-3, and three, right behind the Eagles and look out. And the Giants, like we talked about, Mark, coming down to earth a little bit now. Um, in the last five days, they go from 7-2 to 7-4, and four, and they played pretty well. We'll get to the Giants, but let's start with the Cowboys. Uh, they're stacking wins and looking very dangerous. Yeah, and I, I thought, you know, it was not a pristine performance by Dallas. Obviously, a lot, a lot of sloppy play in the first half. I think they doubled the Giants in penalties and some costly penalties. But then they're just like a team like this. And the reason you believe in, in Dallas in general is that their star power and their explosive offense took care of business in the second half. I mean, and then you, on the defense, I think Micah Parsons 
who last week destroyed Christian Derrissaw before he went out with a concussion. Um, Andrew Thomas for the Giants, who was had a problematic early career, has been on fire this season at left tackle, and he got taken care of. It's just like Micah Parsons is this unstoppable closer Beast. that is a completely different element for Dallas and seems to be the kind of guy that could just take them through playoff games. But when they play the way they did on offense in the second half, and you get that version of Ezekiel Elliott with Tony Pollard on the side and CeeDee Lamb, I mean, they're just unstoppable. And the Giants, for me, one little thing, I, I know sometimes you used to watch me watch those Browns games where I just say game over like in the second quarter when – when Daniel Jones missed that fourth and one to Saquon Barkley and they were down 14-13, there's a ton of time to go, but it's like this thing is cooked. The Giants have they peaked in this particular performance. That I think that was very much a game of like that's who the Giants are. They're not a bad team. They're well coached, but you can't deal with the Cowboys. Mm. Yeah, I think you, you mentioned Saquon. Well, I'll get back to the Cowboys, but since you're mentioning Saquon, like – since that 35 carry game we talked about on the podcast, Uh-oh. we wondered how he'd he'd have to uh, follow that up. He has 61 rushing yards in two weeks. They've targeted him 11 times for 26 yards, um, and they don't have anything if they don't have Saquon. I, it's definitely not all on Saquon, but I thought he ran quite poorly against Detroit. Yesterday didn't stand out to me. I, it just I, I think they were overmatched ultimately. Um, but if they don't have Saquon, and part of it is the injuries up front, and maybe part of it is him being a little more tentative which when he doesn't have the blocking, or maybe it's the wear and tear of the season. I don't know what it is. But when they don't have Saquon, they don't have much, and they're going to have a really hard time winning games. Yeah, I and yeah, I don't want to make too much of it, but I think it's a good call, Greg. We talked about it in the moment and how he was on pace to obliterate um, his touch total from the previous two years combined. Uh, this year, but I do think he he doesn't look quite as explosive these last two weeks, and maybe is some decision making. He caught a little bit of cr- criticism on the broadcast for um, maybe looking for the home run when he should just be hitting the hole. But early in the season, he was like that 2018 guy where every time he touched the ball, there was just kind of a bit of an electricity to it. I'm not going to make too much of it, but it does feel like there's a little bit of a difference in him right now. Maybe he's playing through something that we don't know about. Right, and they have a really hard schedule. They have one game left against a team that's under 500, whereas the Cowboys now have three in a row against uh, three under 500 AFC South opponents, not the Titans, the other, the rest of the three. So they're ready to go on a run. The Giants are going to be tested. Two of those games are against the Commanders. So, you know, if you're a Giants fan, you hope you can win that. But th- things get hard. And now you look at Dallas as a team that has a chance, I think, not just to you know represent the NFC in the Super Bowl, but there's an outside chance to to be the one side seed. If Dak Prescott plays like this, did you say outside chance, Greggy? I, I think it's better than that. Well, they're two games behind, so you are you, you got to almost run the table at this point. Um, you, I, it, it's a must win, obviously, against the Eagles. You're going to get a need to get a little help from the Eagles, who don't have like the hardest schedule in the world. But you're right; they they have a I chance. I guess my point is, you look at their. Their remaining schedule, I know the Eagles don't have the toughest schedule, but they're not playing very well right now. They very nearly lost their second row to the Colts. The Cowboys have a head-to-head matchup with the Eagles. They take care of business Fair. there, and they, uh, they're they one game out, and then they just got to – I think they have – Eagles clearly have the inside path, and the Vikings can't be ignored in the conversation. But, yeah, I think the Cowboys have a real chance at doing that, pulling yeah, it Yeah, you off. know what, though? I, asked, I would also rather see this Cowboys team maybe not get the number one seed down the stretch and, like – 
have to grind their way through and remake what we think they are in January. This team feels different to me than last year's team. Mike McCarthy is not a liability right now in my in my book. I just think that there's something going on with this. I'm not sure I enjoy the development because it's not a team I really want to uh, deal with in Super Bowl week. But if that's Ooh. what happens, that's what you get. Well, I, I, mean, would, I would love it. Then Jerry Jones can say everything I've been saying for the last quarter century is valid when it's not the case. <laughs> to calm down, okay. Mark. <laughs> I just like I walk, like watching them play football because they're a fun team, and I yeah. love seeing this version of Dak. I think that's been the most important development in November is Dak Prescott's playing like a top five quarterback. I know he had the interceptions early yesterday. I don't care. Mm-hmm. He no, threw the ball unbelievably the last two weeks, better than I think any quarterback in the league for two weeks. Like next gen stats had a number two. He had the, the highest completion percentage over expected of anyone this year in that game of anyone that's thrown 30 passes in a game. One play I wanted to point out was a, a spin that he had on second and long to start the second drive of the second half. And that's where he really caught fire and they were going to sack him and it was going to be about second and 20, but he pulls a spin move ends up running for like, six or seven yards to set up uh, a third and short. And that's the athleticism that he's been showing. He looks so athletic and he's throwing the ball great. Later that drive, he hits Schultz on the touchdown on a third and 15. Just when he throws it well, he's got it all. He's got the arm and he's got the way to read defenses. And I just think if you blitz him like the Giants do, eventually he'll figure you out. And I, I and, love watching that Dak Prescott. And I know it's, it's going to happen because kind of to what you're saying about the Cowboys, Mark, some of everything with Cowboys just, just seems so like set and, and stone. They just who are who they are. Odell Beckham's going to be on this team and yeah. uh, maybe that will help them. Maybe it won't. Um, but I wouldn't I would hesitate based on what I saw yesterday from Michael Gallup from um, bringing in a guy off a torn ACL that hasn't played a snap this season and then minimizing Gallup, because I think if Gallup continues to improve and show what he was showing yesterday. Um, I think that that will be also a big part of this offense, uh, having that guy at number two step up because Gallup, I think he's an underrated player. I think he wasn't the same guy initially earlier in the season, but if he if he finishes strong, this offense just gets all the more dangerous. I, I, I really think this, this Cowboy team with Parsons leading the D, I think they have it. I think they have a shot. Yeah, the one thing I'd say do. about the Odell thing, because I'm with you, I think finally waited all this time for for get Michael Gallup to look like what you'd hope, and he's there now. I mean, we saw it yesterday. It was a different player, but look back at the Rams a year ago. Had they not gotten Odell, and then Robert Woods goes down, I don't, I'm not sure they get to the Super Bowl or win it. So it's just like, at, why not add strength on strength at this point in the season? Well, I'm not saying not he, to he, sign him. Yeah, sure. I'm just saying just don't, don't diminish Gallup. Yeah, don't diminish Gallup. Yeah. I don't think Odell's they need him, and and if they get him, great. But I don't think they need him. Their their numbers when they have two tight ends on the field are better than any team in the league except for Kansas City. That we heard the highlight where it was that the the four tight end play, which is like an old Mike McCarthy thing. They they do make it very difficult to defend them when they have those two tight ends on the field because they run it so well with Pollard. Zeke isn't the same, but he's still got the instincts, even if he doesn't have the juice. But Pollard's so good. They just hit you with a lot of ways. We do have an update on the Odell Beckham situation. I wish I knew who was reporting this. I'll get that to you. But he is going on three trips, and he's starting his (laughs) trips with the Giants. And the Cowboys are third in line. Uh, The Bills are second in line. Yes, that is uh, development news. It was from Josina Anderson of CBS Sports. So Wait, let's go over those three teams. With the Giants is interesting. So New York, 
The biggest media market, his former team, yes, that that is guaranteed to generate a lot of attention. The Cowboys, the most highly publicized team in the sport. What's the other team? The Bills are in the middle there. And the Bills, the Super Bowl, everyone loves the Bills' favorite team. He's enjoying it. That's fine. Yeah, you get get this. Go ahead, buddy. Enjoy your little (laughs) tour. We're in the middle of a season over here. We'll talk about Odell when he lands somewhere. Yeah, Giants. Any other thoughts on this Giants game, Giants would boys? be the team he would help the most. I mean, I, I it seems like a strange move, but con- considering he's visiting them first, that usually means it might be a fa- he might he might be he might just like the idea of New York and and going back there. And he certainly, uh, you know, this year and long term would be of use to them. He just feels like a cowboy to me, um, based on stuff I said pr- prior to this. Uh, we'll see. Do we really a thirty-year-old wide receiver coming off a torn ACL? Do we do we give him the Peyton Manning two thousand twelve free agency treatment? He's giving it to himself. Remember when everyone uh, Grave Digger? Uh, we can welcome you in here. Uh, thought the Peyton Manning was going to go to the Titans. That was like two days in NFL history, or one day in NFL history. People thought Peyton Manning was going to join the Titans. Yep, that was a yep. fun. That nice, good. Uh, Good well, there's a very distinct there, reason uh, why he didn't actually, but it's not. We can't talk about it on this show. You know, Justin is really good on Mike. He's got his own podcast, of course, on the Titans, which everyone should check out. But one of my favorite things is sometimes when you catch Justin, Justin off guard, we get that answer. And that's almost one of my favorite parts of the show. Well, sometimes I'm I'm giving a stupid answer to stall while I try to find the drop to play. So. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. And then you would, the logical sense. thing on – our behalf would be it'll be like, well, you know what? Why don't we don't worry about that drop anymore? But no, that that needs to stay as well. And spe- speaking of uh, Peyton Manning, the Jets had a doomed pursuit of Peyton Manning. And just to make their quarterback feel better, Mark Sanchez, they gave him a huge contract extension that immediately backfired as a result. So that was if you didn't get Peyton, you were hurting in different ways. Uh, anyway, Cowboys win. Giants have come back a little bit and their season's at a little bit of a crossroads. Let's take a break. And when we get back, we'll hit the primetime game. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, You're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. When I think of John Madden, I think of the word big. John was a big man, a big personality. Boom, we cross him. The left goes to the right, the right goes to the left. Hall of Fame coach, uh, really a Hall of Fame announcer, and has done so much to promote the love of football. A special, special man. John Madden's grin is from ear to ear. One of the great ambassadors in the history of the game. First and 10 from the Patriots, 15. We're all tied at 26. Cousins under center. Play action to Dalvin. Kirk's great drop. Looks to the end zone for Thielen. Yes! Touchdown! A 15-yard touchdown bullet from Cousins to Thielen. And it's 32-26. Vikings. Yes, that would be all for the Vikings and all they would need. Paul Allen with the call. W-F-K-F-A-N, I should say. 
Uh, Kirk Cousins threw for 299 and three touches um, for one game at least, dispelling any notions that he can't play with the sundown. Uh, and that go-ahead score to Adam Thielen with 934 to play did lead the Vikings past the Patriots, a game Patriots team, 33-26 to on Thursday night in Minneapolis. Greggy, this was a game uh, the Vikings obviously needed after an embarrassing blowout at the hands of the Cowboys four days earlier that kind of uh, readjusted the way a lot of people looked at them. I don't know if this, for me, changes my feelings about the Vikings. Um, I kind of expected them to handle the Patriots, and I thought the Mm. Patriots would show up in this game. But at the same time, a huge win for them because you bury uh, what was the low point of your season pretty quickly. Yeah, I think it was a huge game for both teams. There were more lead changes to, to take the lead than any game since 2018. They, they showed a stats. Five, so was, I believe, right? Yeah, it was, I, I yeah. think it was six uh, in the end. That, like, there were... It was up for either team to take control. So I think it's a heartbreaking loss for the Patriots. And I think it's a massive win for the Vikings because it was all about Kirk. Kirk started the game very up and down. He threw an interception. He had another one or two passes in the first half that made or one in the first half, one in the second that could have been picked. But other than that, he was throwing dimes. Justin Jefferson was the best player in this game. And sometimes it just comes down to that. Yes, Kirk like put it in a good spot for him, but these were tight coverage catches for him to get nine for 139 in a touchdown. I think they put to bed that this Patriots defense is in any way special when they play against like a, a real quarterback and a real offense. But I think Kirk Cousins showed that he is that guy. And and they were good pointing out in the broadcast early that even though he started with those interceptions, like he was making difficult timing throws again and again into that Patriots coverage and he stood up in a day where they needed to put up 30 to win this game or else it wasn't going to happen. They did it because I think that's their route to being relevant is being an offensive team because I don't think this team is special at all. I think they're below average defensively in Minnesota. They're going to need Kirk Cousins to have games like this. In that Thielen touchdown, why does it happen? Because all game long, you had two or three people on Justin Jefferson and and Jonathan Jones who's a good cornerback, gave up six catches for 95 yards and a touchdown Mm. to Jefferson. I just think part of it is that the Cousins-Jefferson connection, uh, he just has so much uh, belief in Jefferson's ability to make They were double-covering him the whole game. Catches. They tried to take exactly. him away. Sometimes triple. And so it's like Cousins still, I think, you know, versus a different type of wideout out there, a different c- a cast of characters. Like, he just believes Jefferson's going to make the catch, and he does. And, I mean, I-, I just thought this was a weird game for New England because you, I-, I think you get your best Mac Jones performance up until that fourth quarter where the offense just fizzled away. And a week after they essentially fried the Jets – with special teams, and we were talking all week long about how much that's imbued in who they are in the Belichick experience. They had a terrible um, running into the punter on fourth and four that set the Vikings up for new life. They gave up the punt return, obviously. They had a 31-yard punt themselves. It was just a sort of a complete meltdown at home. I, I thought that was unexpected for New England. They're sitting at six and five right now and out of the playoff picture. Yeah, I, well, I thought in general, and now they have, you know, at Buffalo, uh, their next game. So we're going to we're going to learn really where New England sits. Um, I thought they hung well in this game. You're right. The It is ironic coming off what happened the previous week that the turning point in the game was a special teams play because the the Patriots take over at halftime. They go right down the field. Mac Jones to Hunter Henry. And let's talk about Henry again a little bit later. But 37-yard touchdown. They're up 23-16. And then to give up um, the 97-yard kickoff return to uh, – 
who's going to help me with this? Kene Nuangu? Mm. Close. You're, yeah, that's I, I list. I went back and listened to it. It sounded similar. That, to that. is that that was a a crusher um, for the Patriots. But I thought it was really important to see Mac Jones on the Patriots side build off what I thought was a pretty good game against the Jets. Now to throw an attack downfield and make make plays. Um, it should have been another touchdown pass. He should have finished with three touchdown passes in this game, if not for a very uh, very strange call. I thought. Uh, uh, on a Hunter Henry target near the goal line on third down. Uh, what was the situation? What, 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 at what point in the game were we at? It was, it was third down, and they had to settle for a 26-23 field goal. It was so, mid-third quarter. So it was the ensuing drive after the, the kickoff return. Right, so exactly. So you have the touchdown out of the half. You have the kickoff return by the Vikings. And the Patriots, to their credit, take the ball back. And they don't go three and out, and the game gets away from them. They go right down the field again. Mac Jones hits Hunter Henry for what is, to me, a clear touchdown uh, that would have put them up by uh, seven um in this game and it's with 643 to go in the third, but instead they, they challenge it and they rule that Hunter Henry didn't maintain and survive contact on the ground. I could hear Chris Wessling going nuts yeah. about this right now, uh, this call on the field. And, and because I thought this could be something, cause I, even as a, a Jets fan was outraged by the call. Uh, what does Zolak think about this over on WBZ? Let's listen to what he had to say. <laughs> more crystal clear indication of the fingers under the ball. Did the ball come up? Yes. The ground didn't force the ball. It never touched the ground. What Worst case scenario, it should be at the one foot line. Well, there's the thing, When he Joe, secured the catch. It, 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 the, replay, never hit the, ground. the replay review outlasted the television uh, break. They're looking for stuff now. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know what annoys me? <laughs> it's funny. The sentient <clears throat> Powerade bottle Everything he said is right there, I guess. Yeah, I mean, that, that was a totally sober-minded, crystal-clear take on things, I thought. I agree with Zolak. I yeah. think Terry McCauley got this call overturn. I continue to believe that the broadcast team, Jim Nance, often gets them to replay it. They're all watching the broadcast. And McCauley came in and was weirdly confident that this should be overturned from the beginning. And... and Zolak's right. You can see the the fingers under the ball. But I think because Macaulay was so clear, I really think that's what does it sometimes. And it's like the first view. It, it's supposed to be review, though, where it's like in, you know, incontrovertible evidence to overturn it. So that was crazy. And it was part of like, you know, they were on the end of some some tough calls. They also played a lot of but made a lot of boneheaded mistakes. It was just like a really sloppy one. I think they'll they'll regret because of those. Um, that's an interesting comment, Greg. Terry McCauley is a employee of NBC. And if mm -hmm. if he's if he's the one responsible for I mean, these this calls is wild speculation by me, but we know that when Nant says they gotta look at this, then suddenly they stop they start looking at it. So I'm that's not just... saying I disagree. I'm just saying if that's actually what's going on here, you're using um an outside the league um employee of the broadcast to uh make major game shifting calls. I, I would hope that's or not just happening. letting it influence you because right. I other, I was trying to come up with a reason why that, that that would have been overturned otherwise. 
I, I think Greg has a point though in the sense that is that triggering it automatically? No, but is there this idea that there's this bubbling up perception of something having, having gone wrong in the game? Twitter's going nuts. Everywhere, it's becoming a talking point. It's becoming a, a, a subject for shows the next day. And it's like, quick, let's get on this and maybe even uh, have our, inf- our decision influenced by the reaction in real time. So some calls went against the Patriots. There was also like a missed face mask. Um on Mac Jones on the second to last drive, uh, a tripping call they, they could have made on one of those sacks of Mac Jones. All that said, the Patriots lost this game more because they struggled in all the ways that Belichick hates, which are not unique this year. They were way negative on penalties. Th- this year, they're number one in the league in terms of net penalties. So, like, they have more penalties than their opponents. Uh, their second in the league in net penalty yards. This was another one that that killed them. They're terrible in situational football. They were 0 for 3 in the red zone. They're one of the worst red zone teams. They blew the clock situation at both the end of the first half and didn't have time for a couple extra plays to score a touchdown because both Mac Jones and Hunter Henry made mental mistakes. You mentioned the running into the the punter thing, which led directly uh, to seven points. They kind of botched even the final drive situation uh, there uh, in terms of clock management. They've just not been a smart team. And this isn't a unique thing to this last week. They've been a very sloppy in the way that Belichick hates type of team all year. And they lose the turnover margin. It's like this team, this team's not good enough to win those that type of way. They're just not. But Greg, do you, do you not think some of this charts back to the fact that um, in an avant-garde approach to coaching staffs, they have this minuscule coaching yeah. staff that includes his son and a defensive coordinator and a special teams coordinator of old running the offense. And they spent the first two months of the season totally disjointed on that side of the ball. We're finally getting a little bit from Mac Jones, but it's like there's no robust uh, e- like voice in Belichick's head ear on these sideline situations like they're they're they this is atypical of the Patriots. But I think it's a little bit because of how the coaching staff is constructed. I agree, although they were very sloppy a year ago, too. So maybe, who knows? Maybe it's just like... Maybe the old man's getting old. It wasn't that different a year ago outside of the offensive coordinator. Right. Mac, you're right, though. That was Mac Jones's best game by far this year. So that was incredible. Yeah, I'm more, I guess I'm a little more optimistic about New England out of this game. No, um, I, I, am I think they're going to be fine. That was a huge moment for them to throw for 382. I know there was a little garbage time at the very end, but he was over 300 by that point. A lot of big plays down the field. Uh, that, see, that's, ac- he's, he's thrown so it he accurately was, two weeks in a row. He was hyper accurate and bad conditions against the Jets, mostly short game. He attacked downfield. I think it bodes very well. The Patriots, to me, I still I kind of see him as like a 10 and 7 team, and I think that it will be enough to get it in, but they got to right wow. now. They have to beat the five. Bills then though. They can't get, up, they have two games against the Bills. So if you get two swept against by the Bills, Bills, that puts you at seven right there. Well, win the, win the next one because you got at Buffalo and, and we, well, you don't know what Buffalo needs or doesn't need by week 18, yeah. but the game will be in New England just to correct myself. Thursday night football um, on December 1st and on the, on the, Vi- on the Viking side of it, it's crazy the way that the season has played out, but the Vikings can clinch the NFC North next week uh, with a win over the Jets at home and a little bit of outside help. So they have put themselves in an excellent position here. They're right in it with the Cowboys and obviously the Eagles still leading the NFC. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling Kirk Cousins this year. I'm feeling continuing to stack some big games and put some ghosts to bed. Why is no one talking about Kevin O'Connell as coach of the year? I mean, especially after the way they bounced back this week and what they are in general. I mean, I get is it. He they your, were is he your choice team, for a coach of the year? I'm just saying he's in the mix. 
I'm not saying he is my choice right now. I'd like but a like, top I five. I, I, I want top five lists for all the awards, by the way. They're just doing it for MVP. Give it by to three me for Coach Mark. of the Year. Well, what about for top five for Assistant Coach of the Year? I don't know why that has been like a priority number one. <laughs> why is it, I feel like the lighting you know. has changed in your room uh, in the prison. Uh, I am next to a light. I'm next to a window and... Uh, <laughs> I it, typically when we do this on Fridays at 10 a.m., I have to cover yeah. up the open space with a lot of garments and I failed to do that. And now it, I feel like I have like um, the sun burning the skin off. Well, this is an audio only one. Minute, we, are we yeah. putting this up on YouTube, Justin? Uh, God, I hope not. Oh, uh, we are. We are. Right. People should people be want. checking out our YouTube shows. I know some of you guys uh, like it that way. You see the facial reactions. We've noticed the previews and the recaps, especially people are starting to watch them. So. Do it. If it gets us paid more in the long run, let's do that. What? Why? <laughs> no. If you if if you enjoy the program in that way, please do that. It, it, no, don't get us paid more, Greg. Is that where we're at in our that. development? I'm just having a little fun. I'm having <laughs> no a little fun. No fun allowed, Greg. Uh, All right. I thought they almost didn't make a big enough deal. The fact that Kevin O'Connell was drafted by by the Bill Belichick to be a backup for Tom Brady like eight years into his career and here he goes and beats the guy that drafted him. That's pretty cool. I feel like everyone cool. at some point in their lifespan was drafted to be a backup to Tom Brady. <laughs> that was me in 2002, actually. Didn't work out. Didn't, didn't see the field. All right. So there you go. Those are the Thanksgiving games. Thank you to everybody uh, for listening. Like we said, Sunday, we're right back on our usual schedule with the flagship program. Remember, also, if you're in the Los Angeles area, the homecoming show uh, coming up in January, January 18th from the Bourbon Room uh, in Hollywood. Uh, it is going to be a great show. So please get your tickets and join us. Uh, check out our socials uh, for a link for that. Anything else, boys, to share before we say goodbye? I mean, I just a happy Thanksgiving to you guys. You know, I know that we got the whole weekend here and let's go uh, U.S. The problem with your confident way you started this yes. podcast, Dan, is, you know, the game will be over by the time most people hear it. I said so that. It, I okay, said I know, that. I know. That's I'm exactly just saying. He's just calling a shot. It's like, going like to be beautiful. probably not going to go it's well. It's going to be beautiful. The, the timing is tricky. Yeah. yeah, the time we can't edit it. I'll, I will take the slings and arrows if by some shock. Uh, to the system, England actually beats the U.S. in a World Cup match, which has literally never happened. Um, so I don't expect that to change. But if it does, I will on Sunday uh, give respect uh, to the three Lions. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's a, you... a great, it's a great move, Dan, to antagonize um, what is essentially like thirty-five percent of our listener base. So. Um, I hope that goes well for you. But there's other countries out there. We had a listener from Norway uh, who wanted a shout out. So shout out to Norway. I said 35%. So that leaves yeah, another we're not, 65%. We're not Mark, playing, you just um, look ghoulish right country. now with the way the light is hitting I your know. face. Well, Can I, you what, just stop? If we keep talking, the game will literally start. <laughs> you All right, everybody. Thank you to everybody. Hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving. Have a great weekend. We'll be back Sunday night. Until then, Dan Hansa signing off for the ghoulish Mark Sessler, the quiet storm, uh, <laughs> the old boss, the grave digger behind the glass. Uh, remember, heed the call.
you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.